Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Time once again for the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer and Charlie Potter with you on this Monday, May the 3rd, 2021, just a couple days away, Charlie, from Cinco de Mayo. Uh, you a big fan of the day, Cinco de Mayo? Do you go out of your way? It follows a Taco Tuesday this year. Will that sort of change your plans any for the, the coming days? Um, not really. Um, we, we tend to eat tacos a, a lot at the Potter household, so we don't we reserve do. it for yeah. Tuesdays. Um, like tacos and pizza are something I could eat every day if, if, you know, if I was allowed to, but, um, Cinco de Mayo, um, <clears throat> we haven't really gone out in a while to do anything. You know, usually we'll, you know, make margaritas or, you know, have some Coronas at the at frozen, the frozen or on the rocks, on the rocks. Okay. Um, the only, the only real a little salt. Yeah, I like salt. All right. Uh, and I, I just like the the classic house margarita. I don't get too fancy. Uh, but the only drink that I really like frozen is the hand grenades on Bourbon Street. Those <laughs> oh, are the only frozen ones uh, that I like. And I think the the reason for that is because they numb your mouth a little bit. And you can just drink them faster. So, um, but no, I mean we usually just you know chill at home, you know, cook some tacos and have some kind of you know, festive drink, but that's about it. What are you a tequila snob? Are you guys tequila snobs? Does it have to be a specific tequila, Charlie? Uh, I guess not, because I, I will reveal that probably the month after graduating from Alabama, me and my uh, two of my roommates basically lived at Don Tanya's down on in Timerson Square, and I don't think they're very uh, tequila snobs. Those those margaritas, I think, well, they were. You know, a few years back, they were three twenty-five a piece. So, uh, I would say that would not make me a tequila snob. You know, between the calorie, the caloric intake, and the tequila, the margarita might be the worst liquor drink <laughs> made for you, couldn't it be? I mean, it, it could be the, the the most unhealthy liquor drink. I would think between everything involved, the juice, the you know, the calories, everything—they're just not good for you. Uh, frozen drinks. Not a big frozen drink. I I don't mind a pina colada though, from time to time. I know I may have to turn in my my card of some sort, but uh, a little pina colada, a little daiquiri here and there. So we do have Cinco de Mayo coming up here in a few days. We had CS first rounders for the Alabama Crimson Tide in the recently completed. NFL draft. Let's start right there, I guess, Charlie, from a sports perspective. We've talked about sort of that magic number of six in previous years. Kind of felt like this would be the year. Felt like that maybe in some previous years. But uh, 
Uh, were you surprised to see Alabama finally get there with Miami 2004, or did maybe the manner in which it went about, uh, you know, surprise you at least a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was possible. I was surprised that Alex Leatherwood went in the first round just because his his stock wasn't that high going into it. And, you know, it goes to show that mock drafts and everything, um, you know, leading up to the draft, all the talk, um, it's, it's, you know, it's not exactly warranted. I mean, the, the guys that went in the top 15, you know, that was pretty much what we thought was would happen all along. And, you know, Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh Steelers again, that was a, a popular uh, pick for those mock drafters. And, and honestly, those five, I, I thought that's what it was going to be. The two receivers, uh, Sertan at corner, Mac Jones and, and Najee Harris. That's what I thought would come off the board. But the Raiders, you know, under Mike Mayock and John Gruden, they've kind of been a little unconventional with their picks. And, um, you know, pick Leatherwood at 17. I, I thought if they were going to get a sixth, it would either be Christian Barmore or Landon Dickerson. And those guys didn't last very long in the early portions of the second round. So I definitely thought six was possible. Um, heck, once Leatherwood came off the board, I thought seven was possible, you know, uh, going into the latter portions of, of Thursday night. But still, I mean, you have eight picks in the top 38. Um, you have eight picks in the, the first two rounds. I mean, those are record-breaking numbers and just goes to show the, the quality of players Alabama had on its roster last year. Something Nick Saban hasn't had yet of all these draft picks, over 100 now, all these first-rounders, what is that number at? Near 40, I guess, now, first-rounders? Yeah. Isn't it like 39 first-rounders and just 23 losses? Isn't that the yeah. ratio now? That's nuts. <laughs> That but really had, is one of the most absurd things to say <laughs> out loud when you really just sit and think about it. Like I was talking uh, with the wife about that, just recapping the draft. She was out of town, so I was telling her what happened. And I was like, I just don't – I don't like saying that out loud because it sounds like I'm making it up. Yeah, it does. It, it sounds like a Madden game stat. Like you know, if there was a stat for Madden that you had your own team and you kind of came up with. Uh, you would do it uh, on a video game or something. But uh, what Nick Saban hasn't had yet, though, is a number one overall pick. And with that, Charlie, I'm going to ask you, was Tua Tonga Vailoa Nick Saban's best shot at a number one overall during his time at Alabama? Or do you think there's still some guys looking at some guys maybe in the pipeline? Um, and, and And we know it starts at the quarterback position, right? Uh, so that's why you think Tua, I guess, and as much as anything. But do you think Tua was his best shot for that number one guy? Um, I think before this season, I would probably think so. And you got to go back. I mean, I know everybody doesn't take into account what he did at LSU, but you have Jamarcus Russell on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do agree that the quarterback spot is the most likely. I mean, that's where you feel the most comfortable in, in saying something like this. And, you know, who knows? We'll, we'll see what happens with Bryce Young. But I think of guys just on the current roster – you look at next year's draft, it's going to be a guy like uh, Kayvon Thibodeau from um, Oregon could be in the mix for the number one pick. And I think a guy like Will Anderson could be in the same spot the following draft in 2023. He was just a true freshman last year. If he can continue on this same trajectory and improve mm-hmm. between years one and two and then years two and three, I mean, Will Anderson is going to be a guy that people are salivating over when he gets to the next level. I mean, he came in. Uh, college ready he's only going to get bigger and stronger with guys like david blue and, and dr ray and um if he can stay healthy if he can continue to produce i mean will anderson's already a monster if he can 
keep on that same trajectory, he's a guy that teams are going to be, you know, falling over themselves to try to draft in a couple of years. So damn hard to get quarterbacks off that perch right now. Yeah. Although you look ahead to 2022, and I know the early talk is that it's not a huge year, at least this early on, uh, at the quarterback position. So maybe uh, the 2022 draft is where that would happen. Of course, Will, I know Alabama fans are thankful for the fact he's got two more years at Alabama. So it's not until 2023 that you start to really think about him. But uh, you look at this Alabama draft class and maybe more so the the eight guys that went in the top 38 picks between the first round and the second round do you have a biggest winner from those six seven eight guys in terms of well of course where they went when they went in the draft that's dollars and cents right there but in terms of viability to win early in their careers uh, maybe the way their skill set fits a specific approach or scheme for the team that they went to charlie i really like all six of the the first rounders in terms of where they went the landing spots that they had um i I think the receivers are going to uh two teams that were in need of wide receiver help in the miami dolphins and philadelphia eagles i think mac jones of course you know leading up to the draft some were thinking he might go number three overall to the san francisco 49ers and that's a team that's you know, built ready to win right now, but him falling to 15 and really falling into the Patriots' lap is, a, I think, a perfect marriage. But I, I will go with the, the first guy off the board with Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, the Dolphins, two is going to be uh, another year in the league. He's going to be another year removed from that hip injury. Um, they were in desperate need to put some weapons around him, and Jalen Waddle can go in and, and be a number one. I know they have a Devontae Parker uh, down there. I think they've added some guys in free agency. But, you know, Waddle and Tua already have a little bit of chemistry. You're going to have to knock some of that rust off. But I think that's a great landing spot for him and a team that, you know, with New England losing Brady and, um, you know, kind of retooling their roster, you know, the, the AFC East is is open for the taking. I know the Buffalo Bills are still in town and they didn't do anything to hurt themselves. But, you know, the Dolphins are a team that could be in that playoff hunt with what they've been able to do in the draft and in the offseason. And I think Waddle's a guy that, can go in and, and be an immediate help to a guy like Tua. Yeah, I like everything about that pick for Jalen Waddle. You're right. They're not far away. Uh, they have a defense that can carry them enough until you get Waddle and Tua and some of these younger guys on the offensive side to the point where they need to be. I like Alex Leatherwood going to Vegas. Um, I don't think the Raiders are that far away. You're okay at the quarterback position. Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake at the running back spots, Henry Ruggs the third. You got a familiarity there between Leatherwood and those guys. So, you know, I kind of, and also when you take into account, as you talked about earlier, more so what the outside was talking about in relation to Leatherwood's draft status going into it, uh, perception wise anyway. Uh, he was a big winner because most of what you were hearing from mockers and the like was that he was outside the first round. And he not only went in the first round, he went in the top 17, 18 picks. So I like those two guys. I like Jalen Waddle's place. I don't want to call anybody that goes in the first round a loser, <laughs> but in terms of maybe the biggest challenge in front of them, both personally 
And as far as their team is concerned, which one or two guys would you point to there? Yeah, that's tough. Again, like I said, I like all of the the landing spots. Um, I think with with Najee Harris, I think him going to the Steelers is is going to be a good marriage. But they needed to to beef up their offensive line, and, and they didn't necessarily do that at least early on. I think you know Najee is going to have some tough sledding, uh, but again, I think he went to a a good spot. The Steelers are a great organization in the NFL. Um, you're always successful. You know, they have some some help at the receiver position, and, and Ben Roethlisberger is still in town. But uh, might be a little harder to, to run behind that offensive line than what he had last year uh, at Alabama. I also think you know with Mac Jones, you know he's going to have to to probably sit behind Cam Newton to begin his career. That's fine. I mean, I think Mac can you know continue to develop, and he's he's used to that. But I mean, heck, he's a first round pick. I don't know if anybody really thought that that would happen whenever he got to Alabama. So kudos to him. And then honestly with Devonte Smith, um, you know, the Eagles were so void of wide receiver help. He's going to be probably Jalen Hurst's number one target. And, um, you know, that could draw a lot of attention from NFL defenses. And, you know, I'm, I'm not doubting Smitty's ability at all, but it might be, you know, some, some tough sledding early on for him to figure out, you know, just the, the speed of the NFL game and, and how to manipulate those defensive backs when they're keying in on him. Yeah, I think Devontae's got the biggest challenge of these guys because, as you said, they needed so much help at the receiver position. There's going to be a lot of expected of him uh, from that standpoint. Plus, he's the Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, he's very publicized, as we know. Uh, there's already some doubts about him. So if he doesn't get off to a pretty prolific start, the negativity probably won't be slow and creeping in, especially in a town like Philadelphia. And that's not to say that I expect Devontae to struggle. I think if Devontae's numbers aren't great early, and I know a lot of folks don't want to hear this, it'll have more to do with the quarterback situation in Philadelphia than Devontae. Love Jalen Hurts. Hope he's an all pro. Hope he makes 10 straight pro bowls. And and I won't be surprised if he does because He's kind of in that same boat as Devontae. He's got his doubters, you know, about his ability to to really get it done in the National Football League. But um, I don't I guess a better way of saying it is Devontae's not going to a situation with a proven quarterback um, for Mac. I think it's the perfect fit. Um, I agree. I think there are some issues offensively with that team, especially again, when you talk about receivers in general for the New England Patriots. The same time, it doesn't sound like Charlie, based on Bill Belichick's initial comments, that they're just going to throw Mac right in there. No, I mean that's to be expected. I mean, you look at some of the landing spots for uh, these first-round quarterbacks. Um, you know, Trey Lance has Jimmy Garoppolo to sit behind in San Francisco. Uh, Justin Fields has some uh, veteran guys in Chicago like uh, Andy Dalton. And, you know, Mac has to sit behind a guy that's, that's been an MVP in the NFL. I know Alabama fans aren't real big fans of Cam Newton, but uh, they brought him back for a reason. And, um, you know, they, they did go out and, you know, sign some guys in free agency. But, you know, with, with Mac and Cam, whoever's going to be the quarterback in New England, but specifically talking about Mac, I mean, he's going to have a downgrade in weapons to, to, to throw the ball to. Um, you know, he's a guy, just look at the, the past two years, what he's had. He's had four first-round receivers at his disposal, and uh, that's not going to be the, the case in New England. They do have – 
some some tight end help. They got uh, Jonu Smith from the Titans. I believe they signed Hunter Henry from the Chargers too. So uh, while Gronk's not in town, they do have some some viable tight ends. But the receiver position, I still think, is a, a question mark for them. And um, I think that's the biggest challenge for whoever's going to be the quarterback. I do think you know, hearing from from Bill Belichick that, that Cam Newton's going to be the guy early on. But when you draft a quarterback in the first round. Um, when things start to go south, they always want to throw the young guy in there and at least get him some experience. So if the the Patriots have a season similar to last year, I wouldn't be surprised to see Mac and, and whatever number he's going to wear in New England, you know, get thrown out there as a rookie. We're going to step aside to a quick break on the Bama Online podcast. When we come back, we'll talk about that 2017 recruiting class and how the 2020 season, having a 2020 season, just to begin with was so important for that group validating its status among the very best in college football history. We'll also get into Jamison Williams, the Ohio State transfer, earlier on Monday, letting it be known that he is headed to Tuscaloosa, where he will play for the Alabama Crimson Tide with three years of eligibility. We'll talk some Jamison Williams. We'll also talk about the potential impact he could have on the Alabama wide receiver core when the Bama online podcast returns right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back with more of the Bama Online podcast on a Monday in early May. The first Monday in May, as a matter of fact, 2021. Let's talk about the 2017 class, Charlie, in terms of meeting up to the massive expectations that awaited it upon its arrival uh, on campus to Atanga Vailoa, Najee Harris, the wide receivers, uh, the three anyway, three of the four in that 2017 class, Alex Leatherwood, and plenty of validation where the NFL draft is concerned. But if you think about that class and it goes through a four-year cycle with just one national championship, would that have been a disappointment in your opinion for that group, Charlie? Maybe a little. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's saying a lot. I think most uh, teams, if, <laughs> if they sign a, a number one ranked class, getting a national championship out of that group is a win. I think that's the goal. But you know, when Alabama signed these guys, and and just the history of the program since Nick Saban took over, I think multiple national championships were. Uh, expected from this group um you know they they won one in 2017 as a as a uh, freshman class and they a lot of those freshmen were on the field you know two obviously came in the second half but uh the freshman receivers you know played a big part including Devontae smith as everyone knows uh, alex leatherwood was in for uh jonah williams at left tackle and, and Najee harris got a lot of run there in the second half against georgia and, uh, you know, you, you see what happened in the 2018 season, you know, it was a, a special season and then, you know, they get thumped by Clemson in the national championship game and the following year, um, 
you get beat by a LSU team that eventually went on to win a national championship. And then, you know, Tua gets hurt and, um, you know, your, your season starts to crumble a little bit. So this year, you know, obviously it was a different season. Uh, it was a shortened season and only played SEC, only SEC teams. But getting guys like Najee Harris and Alex Leatherwood and Devontae Smith and Dylan Moses back for their senior years, I think, was was huge for this this team and this this class. And, um, yeah, I think having won uh, two national championships, played for three, um, they submitted themselves as one of the best classes ever already. And then you get to this NFL draft and you have, you know, four members from that class in, uh, you know, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, um, Najee Harris and Alex Leatherwood go in the first round. That gives that class eight first round picks and 11 players drafted. And one of those was not Dylan Moses, which is just a That's crazy, a crazy yeah. thing to say. But you know, this class, top to bottom, literally top to bottom, with the number one player in the class, Najee Harris, all the way down to the two-star and long snapper, Thomas Fletcher, had 11 draft picks. And um, I just think it, it's going to be tough tough to top this class just from um, you know what it's been able to produce. You just you scroll through the uh, the list of names. There's still guys on this. This they're in this class that that'll be drafted in the future. You know, you mm-hmm. have guys like a LeBron Ray, a Fidarian Mathis, uh, a Chris Allen, a Brian Robinson. Those guys are going to hear their names called next year, and uh, it'll only further cement this class. The class we're going to be talking about for a long time. Yeah, after the events of Atlanta, Georgia, in January 2018 at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. For that 2017 recruiting class, I think the lowest you were going to set the over-under for national titles for that group was one and a half. And you felt like 2018, all credit in the world to Clemson. They were lights out in Santa Clara that night. You still felt like 2018 let one get away there. So to get it back, especially in a year where you weren't sure you were even going to have football, and you got a new starting quarterback in Mac Jones, and uh, I think it ended about uh, where it, it should have for that 2017 class. And as you said, still some guys via fifth year and uh, have an opportunity to add to that total coming up in 2021. Speaking of adding, the Alabama Crimson Tide on Monday added a wide receiver, Charlie, and Jamison Williams, an Ohio State transfer Originally a member of the 2019 recruiting cycle, Alabama was involved in Williams's recruitment back then involving the St. Louis area native. Um, I guess it's not a surprise that a formerly coveted recruit would pick Alabama as his transfer destination. But when you look at the numbers right now at wide receiver, Charlie, at Alabama, it's uh, – it's swelled, I guess you could say, with the addition of Williams. It is. And, you know, I was talking to people during spring practice. And then obviously today, you know, talking to some Ohio State people, they were asking about Alabama's wide receiver situation. We've talked about it on this podcast when we were, you know, breaking down the spring and, and talking about the scrimmages and things like that. And just hearing from Nick Saban throughout the spring, there wasn't just that vote of confidence for the receiving core. Uh, obviously, John Mechie wasn't out there. Uh, he was he missed the spring with an ankle injury he sustained in the 2020 season. So that left Slade Bolden as your really only experienced receiver of the group, and a lot of unproven guys. And in those scrimmages, there were you know a decent amount of drops. Um, you know we saw that some 
in the eight day game, a guy like a Jai Hall um, had a strong game, but you know, he's someone that struggled sometimes in the, the scrimmages and the practices. So it's a young position group outside of uh, Mechie and Bolden. And uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that they, they went that way with a, um, or went that direction when a guy hopped into the portal. Uh, again, you mentioned that, you know, he's someone that was a highly coveted recruit. I think he was a top 100 uh, prospect by the 24 seven sports composite. And it, it's, it says a lot about Alabama and its draw. And the fact that you look at his primary and secondary recruiters when he was a, uh, a recruit coming out of high school, and those guys are no longer on staff, Craig Guligowski and, and Josh Gaddis. So um, just the, the draw of Nick Saban and what they've been able to do from the receiver position in the draft, I think, is alluring enough. But also, there's just not a lot of proven guys. I think the receiver position is still up in the air in terms of what it's going to look like this fall. I know everybody's uh, drooling over Ajay Hall and what he was able to do in the spring game, but I still think there's a ways to go for that number three spot and really rounding out the rotation and adding a guy like Jamison Williams, you look at it, he had what nine catches for 154 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, He was Ohio state's third leading receiver last year, just in terms of uh, yards. He had more yards and catches than Xavier Williams, Javon Baker, Treshawn Holden, and Thayer Jones-Bell combined last year. And now given you had the Heisman Trophy winner on Alabama's roster, you had Jalen Waddell for half a season, and Slade Bolden stepped up. But you know he's stepping into a room where he has just as much, if not more, experience than the guys that are competing for that third spot. So I think it'll be you know interesting to see how it plays out. And you, know, you add another capable body to a, a group that still is unsettled going into the offseason. Yeah, and Nick Saban isn't ready for that run on explosive plays to just go away, is he? No. So beyond John Mechie, you also want to know that you've got some guys on the outside that can keep that yards per pass attempt up over 10, like it's been for the last three or four years. And, you know, I think maybe Williams has got some of that too. Maybe he's a guy that, uh, you know, when you talk about explosive play potential and the fact that he does have a, a track background, uh, you know, maybe some more explosiveness to get into that mix uh, as well. Well, Charlie, as always, appreciate you taking the time here on the podcast. Ended up having a couple of additional topics to touch <laughs> on, including the addition of Jamison Williams at the wide receiver position. As always, we enjoy it, my man. We look forward to doing it again real soon. All right, Travis. Thanks for having me and good to catch up. Yeah. Happy Cinco de trace before the DeMeo, I guess. And uh, be safe out there, everybody. And we'll join you again real soon on the Bama Online Podcast for Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Bama Online Podcast. Leave us a rating and a review while you're there. That would be greatly appreciated as well. Have a great week, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 